This is Animals Voice podcast presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie, and uh, joining me right now, Barbara Walmer, Department Head of Behavior at the Calgary Humane Society. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm awesome. Uh, First, I'm going to say to our listeners, if things sound a little different than usual, uh, we are in a boardroom at a secret location. Uh, actually, we are at our yearly conference, and uh, it's, it's a really cool opportunity because this conference that the Ontario SPCA hosts brings together a lot of great minds, uh, a lot of uh, important, frankly, people in animal welfare, and it gives uh, Katie and I, an Animals Voice podcast, access to a, uh, a lot of these people. And Barbara, you're one of those people, so thank you. I'm looking thank forward to chatting you. with That's you today. That's quite the intro. Thank you. I worked <laughs> on it for at least three minutes. Okay. Uh, so how long have you been with the Calgary Humane Society. Been with the Calgary Humane Society 12 years. Okay. 12 as of years. actually this month, yeah. The, oh, congratulations. And what types of programs do you work on as Department Head of Behavior? Well, currently I basically oversee all the internal stress reduction and enrichment programs along with our external programs, which would include dog training classes, hosting seminars, and improving continuing education for trainers and dog owners um, in the Calgary area. That's cool. So you're really you're running programs that I think impact not just the animals' lives, but the owners' lives as absolutely, well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the internal piece, obviously, is mostly working with the animals, but there's a huge amount of staff and volunteers that that includes. Um, and then when you're working with the public, it, it is all about really educating owners so that they can enhance their animals' lives. So much of what we do, and it's the same with the Ontario SPCA, it's about educating the humans yep. to lead to improvements for the animals, absolutely. right? So it sounds absolutely. like you guys are doing the same thing. Yep. So what led you to create these programs? Well, um, when I started 12 years ago, um, I was the one person in the behavior department. I was um, hired as the coordinator, and we had some training happening with the animals, but everything wasn't necessarily standardized per se, or there wasn't a level of care written out in SOPs, etc. So I really wanted to be able to help um, improve every single animal that we had come into the shelter and their um, interactions with staff, volunteers, and the environment. And then also being able to help people in the community um, to be able to do that. And part of it comes back to funding. Mm -hmm. Um, and so some of the work that we could do within the community would help those animals, but also that would bring in some revenue to be able to help the animals that were in our shelter so that I could do that work with them. Nice. So it was kind of this balancing act. So through the years, we've grown now to being um, five people in our department plus a bunch of contract trainers. Nice. Well, it sounds like a success. Yes. And, and so dog training is a big part of your programs. Yes. Why is dog training important? Well, there's many different reasons. Um <laughs> I, one of the big ones is just the basic manners that um, happen from it and the socialization um, that takes place. And that reduces fear and aggression long term yeah. um, in, in animals. And of course, that's going to keep them probably in their homes being more successful um, there. But we also like to do training to be able to build a bond. Um, post-adoption so that people are kind of starting out on the right foot per se. Um, It's the structure and the print that goes forward into their lives. Is food a big part of your training? Yes. What if you have a dog that's not food motivated? And I'm asking this for personal reasons. I have a puppy that's six months old and I have a seven-year-old lab. The lab will wash my car if a treat is involved. It, It is so food motivated. The puppy doesn't care about treats. At all. Right. So I'm having a difficult time with certain aspects of training the puppy 
because I don't feel I have a, a food-motivated puppy on right. my hands. Well, what I basically talk to people about is all dogs need food to live. Okay. So there is, to an extent, at some point, there the is dog motivation. will want motivation yeah. for that. Um, there also is some animals that have a hierarchy for what they choose to like as far as food is concerned. It's kind of like people with money. There's some people that will work for 10 bucks an hour and not even question it. Mm -hmm. um, there's other people that know 50s, the line, 100. Bill Gates would probably tell you 1,000 maybe. I don't know. Okay. okay. Um, an hour. Your puppy may be one of those dogs that is not willing to work for kibble. Right. They w want, you know, cheese hot dogs, um, deli meats. So you may need to get something a bit more special okay. um, for that. The other thing is, is that with training, we're really looking at what does the animal want as a reinforcer. Okay. So if you're going, you can train without food. It's just not as easy in some ways. Um, what you, you have to figure out is what does he want right now? Okay. So when that sit happens, can you open that back door? Can you give the belly rub? Um, throw the tennis ball what are his reinforcers the more that people train dogs i have um, done hunt tests with my golden retrievers and i do obedience competition with them and i can't have any type of food in the ring when i'm doing that or that type of thing you have to figure out what they want and i create different things like different tricks um and interactions that they find reinforcing that leads eventually still to maybe food and the more tangible reinforcers. But you use those things to, to keep behavior going. Okay, okay. How should our listeners go about finding a dog trainer? Basically, there's lots of different um, options that are out there. Um, the Certification Council for Pet Dog Trainers is one of them. So the C-A-P-P-D-T. Um, dot org is actually their website and you can see um, animal or trainers and um, behavior consultants that have turned around and done their testing exam etc so there's some type of standardization in the knowledge that they know um, Karen Pryor Academy is one um, another option and you can find all those certifi um, certified trainers on their website you can also go to um, it's the Academy of Dog Trainers Okay, has some options the, the concern within dog training is the lack of standardization. Yeah, that anyone it seems can turn to be right across yeah. the map. Yeah, you can um, basically turn around and Google dog trainer and you'll have this whole list come up and they're coming from many, many different backgrounds, many different approaches. Um, we want to look at the science of dog training. There is definitely um, more and more education um, or in continuing education around that. We want to make sure people understand um, learning theory and, and the, that science and that that's how they're approaching it. Most of the time your least harm or least invasive ways being able to train are with positive reinforcement or using what the animal wants to get the behavior versus turning around and delving into some of the other areas that can cause more um, physical and psychological trauma. Okay. I want to go back to my dogs. Yes. Not for my own reasons, but just to, to yep. kind of illustrate uh, my next question. So Sophie is my black lab who's seven years old. Yes. I've had her forever. Yeah. Uh, Gracie is the six-month-old Kane Corso who okay. uh, just came into my life. Now, through trying to train Gracie, the yep. puppy, we have found ourselves working with Sophie and trying to teach Sophie. And I want to hear your take on this. If you are trying to train an older dog, yep. can you expect to make headway? Or is there a, a point where it becomes too late to teach an old dog new tricks, for lack of a better term? Yes, that, that phrase is often comes up um, when I'm talking to clients. 
we can change behavior at any point in an animal's life. Okay. But basically, a seven-year-old dog has certain behavior habits kind of entrenched already. So what you're needing to do is build the frequency of these new behaviors to go beyond what they found successful in the past. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so. So if your dog has laid on their dog bed in the corner every day for the last two years, okay, and that's what they've done when you've turned on the television, but now you want to change that location mm -hmm. to be somewhere else, you're needing to A, reinforce that new behavior at a fairly high rate so yeah. that they're getting payback for that because what they're used to is going over here. Mm -hmm. But it's also going to take a period of time before you see that as the natural drift that they're wanting to go over there instead of to the place that they were going before. Okay. Does that, so it's going, whereas a puppy doesn't already have that higher knowledge. Pre -programmed. Yeah, they're yeah. not already pre-programmed. Yeah. So that is where I think when people say it's difficult to, to change an old dog's habits, well, it's, it's, you know, they've been reinforced for those behaviors for quite some time. Okay. Whereas a puppy has not, okay. um, but we can definitely change it. We just need to look at the science, figure out what they want and go from there. Okay. That makes sense. Now you touched on this a couple of minutes ago around dog training and a lack of standardization. Yes. Can you reiterate? I'd like you to go a little further on that. Cause I, I actually feel strongly about it as well. Why should dog training be standardized? Well, th there's many reasons for it. Um, most professions um, or trades are standardized to an extent, and to me that's where dog training does fit in as a trade. Um, what we're wanting to do is be able to empower um, people to become um, proficient dog trainers via science would be one of the angles. But the other thing is, is that if you don't have that knowledge and you start practicing as a dog trainer, um, you can hurt far more than you can actually help. Um, and we see that in humane societies across Canada okay. um, of animals that are being trained for house training um, or different skills um, and manners and having it handled in the wrong way that actually leads to physical um, and mental um, trauma. Wow, okay. And, and that would be the, the biggest concern. And then there's going to be, of course, um, people who hire people pay money and, and nothing really um, happens one way or another. Um, we, we've had some concerns um, with some of the things that have come up as far as television and media in the last 10 years within dog training, some good have, has come of it in that people are aware we can change dogs' behavior versus saying that dog is just a write-off. Yeah. Um, the concerns with it is some of the techniques and tools that have been presented are what would be considered traditional or older school, mm -hmm. um, and we have better ways of being able to handle those situations that are more humane for the animal and more humane for the person. Okay, that makes sense. Well, here's here's looking to a future where maybe that standardize, standardization comes into play. Uh, I th I'm, I'm a big supporter of standardizing it. Had my own personal experiences where, uh, you know, there are people I think that proclaim that they are uh, no, yes. have a lot of knowledge in yeah. areas where maybe they, they ha don't have uh, the same level of understanding as I certainly think you're demonstrating and talking about. So uh, where, where can our listeners go to find out more about the behavior programs at the Calgary Humane Society? You can go to our website, which is www.calgaryhumane.ca. Um, and most of our programs are under the Learn tab, 
Okay. And we're actually reorganizing um, our website as we speak. I think a new one is being launched in July. So it will probably be under somewhere slightly different, but you'll be able to find it easily. You'll be able to see the different um, workshops nice. and um, seminars that we're bringing in. We're bringing in Kay Lawrence next month from oh, England okay. um, to talk about clicker training. Um, and we've had Grisha Stewart and Terry Ryan up to do chicken camps, oh, actually. Wow. So really being able to help trainers, but also people who have a strong interest in dog training. And it's amazing how once you become a dog owner and you've had some um, exposure to training sometimes you can get even hooked in that way that you're not going to make it necessarily your profession but it's a strong interest nice listen barbara walmer uh, department head of behavior calgary humane society thank you for your time today thank you thank you for joining us on the uh, animals voice podcast We'd like to have you on again in the future. Maybe Absolutely. talk a little bit more about your programs, and I can tell you how things are going with Sophie and Gracie. That would be great. Uh, and thank you to the listeners of Animals Voice. Uh, we get so much support through social media, people sharing our, our broadcasts and, and uh, promoting it on their blogs. So we thank you so much, the listener. If you have show ideas, you can contact me on Twitter, at KevTheGrad, or uh, by email at kmckenzie at ospca.on.ca. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.